actually ahead kind of to what's to come here in the next couple of weeks um, with Palm Sunday coming up next week um, and Easter coming the week after that as well. And so really this is kind of like this is like a, a huge season for us as a church. Um, the, the time around Easter um, and just everything that that brings is, is huge. Like, one, because Easter is, that, that's where we place our faith on. Um, the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is, like, that's why we're here this morning. That's why we meet. That's why we sing. Um, like, if, if Jesus didn't walk out of that tomb, um, then we wouldn't be here this morning. Um, but he did. And so here we are, and this is why we worship, this is why we get together, um, and, and I want us to actually go back in Scripture um, even further than, than just the Easter story as we kind of lead up to that, and I want us to go all the way back to the second book of the Bible in Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out this morning, and we're going to be in the book of Exodus. Um, you can go ahead and open up actually already just to chapter 1. Um, we're going to be kind of camping in, in chapter 3, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something in here that's a little bit different. I'm going to read a pretty large and hefty kind of section of Scripture. I want to just kind of read that over us so that way we get background and context. Um, and and I, I think that this is one of the biggest stories like in all of Scripture that, that point us ahead to Jesus. Um, God's people, his, his people, Israel. Um, if, you, if you've read the book of Genesis, um, his people are formed through Abraham. And, uh, and then through that, Abraham's family multiplies. God promises from the very beginning, hey, I'm going to make your, your family as numerous as the stars, your descendants. Like there's going to be so many of them that you can't even count them. All right, it's going to be, there's going to be a ton of people. It's going to be crazy. And so he promises this to Abraham. And through Abraham's line, this family kind of just continues to grow and move and, and, and multiply just as God said that it would. And then at the very end of Genesis, um, we see, we see the story about this guy named Joseph. He's the dude with the, the coat of many colors. If you've heard of that before, if you haven't, go read it. It's a crazy, interesting story. Um, but Joseph is, he's in the line of Abraham and he's in this family. He's got 11 other brothers, um, they sell him into slavery to Egypt um, because they, they're jealous of him. And he ends up climbing the ranks and becoming like second in command uh, over all of Egypt, right? And so his family, his brothers who think that he's dead and gone, um, they are now having a famine. They don't have any food. They're running out of all, all of their supplies over where they're living. And so they have to go to Egypt where all this food is located. And they run into, believe it or not, their brother who they thought to be dead, who is actually now like second in command. He's like the VP of Egypt. Like, it's crazy. Um, he's in charge of, of handing the food out, of rationing those out. And so they kind of meet back up, and it's this really awesome story. Um, and at the very end, um, it, it talks through Joseph. Joseph says that what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. And that is kind of this whole story of, of the book of Genesis of, hey, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And that will kind of echo further into the book of Exodus as we, as we jump into Exodus um, and read that. So again, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and jump to Exodus. I want to encourage you again, man, bring, bring like a real physical Bible so that you can write in it, you can take notes, um, you, can, you can go back and you can look at it and read. Um, I, I just want to encourage you guys to, to be off of, off of your phones because I think that um, even if you're using it for scripture, you get notifications, you get all those things, and it's really easy just to get pulled away and distracted um, and to distract your neighbor. So 
put, put any games or, or texts or whatever away um, because I think that God has something for us this morning. He has something for us every time we read his word. This is the way that God speaks to us, and it is, it's amazing. So here's what I'm going to do. With all that kind of background, I'm going to read, um, I'm actually going to read a little over uh, a chapter and a half of scripture. I know that's like, oh. And so I want you to, I want you to follow along. Um, I think that this is good for us. I think that um, all, all reading of scripture is beneficial, but I want you just to see this story. Um, and, and now Joseph, his family, they, they are, they've been living in, in Egypt um, and, and continuing to multiply, all right? And so we'll start in, um, we'll start in verse five of chapter one of Exodus. So here we go. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel, that's another word for Joseph. Now Joseph and Abraham, all those descendants, these people from this family called Israel, were fruitful and they increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. So the land was filled with them. Now, There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses, the more, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of them who was named Shipra and the other one Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew woman and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So pause right there. I know that was a lot. So take a look up and take a breath. Do you kind of see that word over and over again? Multiply, multiply, multiply. Even in the midst of oppression and slavery, and now even Pharaoh doing probably one of what is the most wicked things that we see in all of scripture, taking newborn baby children and chucking them into the river. It's disgusting and horrifying. But this is oppression. This is Egypt. And they are afraid of the Hebrew people. And they, they, they are they're out of their minds here. 
And yet, even in spite of that, God's people continue to multiply here. Here we go, chapter two. I'll read just about half of this. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. All right, so hit the pause button again. All right, so you have these, these newborn babies that are being murdered, being thrown into the river. And now you have this one family that has, has a child. They hide this baby for as long as they can. And then they, they say, well, what can we do to save this child? And they put him into the river, but in a basket. And so it's like in this, and then just, it just so happens that this daughter of, of Pharaoh finds him and picks him up out of the water, has compassion for him. And so like this kind of miracle happens where Moses, this baby, now, not only is he saved, but the woman that they bring, this Hebrew woman that they bring in to, to kind of nurse him and bring him along as an infant is actually his real mother. Like, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is absolutely kind of just this crazy story. And so out of this oppression and murder and hatred and horrible circumstances, this child now has been born that signifies hope. And it's just... It's crazy. And so we're going to skip ahead to verse 23 of chapter 2, and then we're going we're gonna to dig in, and then we'll be in chapter 3, and that's where, that's where we're going to land. So I'll read 23 through, through 25 of chapter 2. So during those days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So skip ahead. Chapter three. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. This is, he, is, he has grown up. We skipped the, the middle part uh, of chapter two, where, where Moses has now grown up. Um, he, he actually murders a man, um, an Egyptian who is oppressing and, and like beating up a Hebrew. He murders him, freaks out because now the Egyptians want to kill Moses. And, and he flees the country and leaves and goes and ends up in this place called Midian. And so now he's out there um, and he, he marries a woman. And so he's out there. Now he's basically just like watching sheep and goats and stuff. All right. So Moses, now this guy who's supposed to be the hope of, uh, of Israel, 
is far away and, he, and he's just watching sheep. So now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. <laughs> okay, hold on, time out. Like, that's crazy, all right? Like, you're just out, you know, minding your own business, hanging out with your sheep, and then all of a sudden, like this, this bush is just on fire. And you're like, what, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? And not only is it on fire, but it says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame. He looked and behold, the bush was burning. This is verse two still. Yet it was not consumed. Verse three, chapter three. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. That's really funny. Like, I love that they put that in there. Like, I'm going to go take a look at this. Like, that's what Moses is. Like, who wouldn't go look at it? Like, the bush is on fire, but it's not burning. Who'd be like, that's pretty normal. I'm just going to, you know, my sheep are pretty important. I'm going to go hang out with them. No, he's like, I'm going to, this is, this has caught my attention. He looks. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the book, out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. All right, which leads us to, to the couple of verses that we're going to be, be hanging out in this morning. So I've got, I've got a slide for this isn't This thing isn't working. There we go. I can do this. I can, la- I can laser. Um, so here we go. This is verse 7, all right? This is where we're hanging out this morning. Verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Next slide. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So this is, this is the plan set in place. Moses, this baby who was born, rescued out of the river, saved by his mother, pulled out from the daughter of Pharaoh, grows up, lives. He's a Hebrew boy that survives kind of this purge of Hebrew children and he makes it to adulthood. And now God is calling him to be the one to rescue and save his people. And so here's, here's where this comes in for us this morning. For many of us, at one point or another, maybe it's now, we, we have felt beaten down. We have felt oppressed. We have felt broken. We feel sometimes like we just can't win. And in the midst of that, it can be extremely defeating. We have moments in our life where we ask God, we say, God, what are you doing? Imagine this. You are, you are God's people, right? Here, Israel, they're, they're like, we're God's people. And then you look around and then you've been 
in slavery for 400 years. That's multiple generations. You think somebody wouldn't look around and go, okay, what's going on here? I thought that we were supposed to be God's people. Like, I thought he was supposed to care, like, take care of us. What's going on? Like, why are all of these horrible, bad, evil things happening to us? And it's crazy. Like, I know that I would have probably been like, God, what are you doing? How many of you have, have ever felt that way? Where maybe you look around and you just want to, like, you just want to say, God, what's going on here? Like, I, I thought that I was, I was, I'm following you. Like, I'm doing all the right things. Like, why are these, why are these things happening to me? And let me, let me make this clear for you this morning. Just because you are maybe going to church or reading your Bible or following Jesus does not mean that bad things will not happen to you. The worst gospel that can be presented is if you follow Jesus, your life is going to be a cakewalk and it'll be easy peasy from here on out. That is not what scripture teaches us. Jesus himself even says, in this world, you'll have trouble. And he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? The world is full of, of sin and brokenness because it's full of sinful people, including us. We think about from before the time that we knew Jesus, maybe that's you even this morning, like your heart, it's full of sin. Even in the midst of, of, of the church here, like, right, we don't ever get in fights with our friends, right? No, never. We don't ever say things behind our friends' backs. No, that never happened. We don't ever got, we don't ever falter. We don't ever stumble. We don't ever, no, that happens to us because there's this war in our hearts. We say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I want to live for you. And then there's this sin nature, this part of us that, that pulls against us and says, no, I, 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 but I want to do this. That's why it is so difficult as we become followers of Jesus, because now this new creation in us, the Holy Spirit living in us is pulling us, is trying to, to, to create in us this heart for Jesus, this heart for, for following after God. It convicts us. He, he tells us what's right from wrong. And at the same time, there's, a, there's this old piece of us that still kind of pulls us away from following after God. Paul writes about that in the book of Romans. He says, the things that I, I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I, that I do want to do, I don't do. And he goes through, it's like seven verses long and it's really hard to follow. It's all, there's a bunch of doo-doo in there. Like it's crazy. And so he, he talks through all of this and he says, these things that I want to do. And, and we struggle with that. And a lot of the times we find ourselves in what feels like slavery or, or some type of oppressed, like a, metaphorically, where we're, we're, we're just like, and we are beaten down. A lot of the times our sinful decisions put us in places that, that are difficult to follow Jesus. Like because we've decided to, to chase after certain things that are not life-giving. And I'm not saying that because of your choices, God punishes you or, 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 or makes bad things happen to you. That's not what I'm saying here at all. I'm, I'm saying like for myself, I know that in, in high school, I chose to, to go certain places or, or do certain things that, that, that were not following Jesus. And because I did that, I, I found myself broken and, and more empty inside than, than the moments where I, I chose to follow after Jesus. And you'll experience those things. And so God here, Moses, he's called here to rescue God's people out of, out, of, out of slavery from Egypt. 
The crazy thing here, that one of, the, one of the themes that we see over and over again in the book of Exodus and in these first couple of chapters is God sees his people. He knows his people and he hears them. And the same is true for you this morning. He sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he hears you when you call out to him. And so it's the question of have, have you done that? Have, have you called out to him? Have you asked him to rescue you from your sin, from, from yourself, for him to save you? Some of you, for a lot of you, hopefully that's a yes. And for some of you, that may be a no. And, and, you're, and you're asking good questions and hopefully walking in that direction. But I wanted to look at this this morning because I, I think one of, one of the biggest things that as, as God calls Moses to lead his people, he says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt. He's like this promise of like, you will get, I will, I will rescue my people. God will rescue his people. And so if you find yourself in a moment this morning where you're just like, God, I need you. I don't know what to do. God will rescue his people. That doesn't mean that he's going to remove you immediately Israel was in slavery for 400 years. You think there weren't people crying out saying, God, take us, take this away. And it was in his timing that he then brought forth Moses to be the person to rescue his people. And so, and, and, and we'll get there. We'll get there next week um, as, we, as we look ahead. But I, I want us to look back because I think that understanding the story of Israel, it changes the way then that we look at Easter. It changes the way that we look at the resurrection. It changes the way that we even see ourselves, understanding that this is the lineage. These are, these are our, our forebearers, our forefathers, like that we came from this. Once we have been adopted, John 1, into the family of God, we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. If we choose to believe, once we are in this family, like we look back and we say, this is our heritage a heritage of, of God rescuing his people, of continually calling them back to himself. And we get to be a part of that. And it's fantastic. And it's crazy to think about. But the fact is this, for many of us here in this room, ask yourself the question of, of have I done that? Have I cried out to God? Have I, have I asked him to rescue me, to save me from the sin that, that holds me captive in bondage, in slavery, in my own heart? Or am I just showing up on Sunday mornings and doing the right things and trying to act like a good person in order that, I don't know, like Jesus will be proud of me or something? Even if you've gone to church your whole life, if you've never asked God to come rescue you, like it doesn't make you a Christian just by being in this building. Or just because your parents are Christians doesn't make you a Christian by default. It's not the way that it works. We see God rescuing his people constantly. And I think even in, in the couple of verses before, verse 24 of chapter 2, it says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God sees what you're going through. If you come in here this morning walking through a difficult season of life, maybe, maybe stuff is tough at home, 
with your parents or at, at school with, with what you thought was your best friend. Maybe things just aren't going the way that you thought that they would. And we say, God, I need you. And God sees you. And he knows. God wants to rescue you. He wants to save you. He wants to pull you away. He wants to pull you in towards himself. And so I'm going to invite the band back up um, and we're going to sing. And I, like the whole thing this morning, you guys, is I just want us to remember that as God's people, he does not leave us alone. He does not leave us in the midst of, of trouble. He does not leave us in the midst of hardship. Like God sees us, he knows us, and he offers us rescue, even in the midst of, of trouble, of, of deep hardship. So let me pray for us and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing again. Be reminded of God's love for us. God, thank you for seeing us. God, thank you for knowing us, for creating us. Jesus, thank you for being the one who sustains our, our very lives. God, would we, would we chase after you? Would we, would we run hard after you? And maybe for some of us here in, in the room this morning, we're in need of your rescue. We're in need of your, uh, of your salvation. God, would you help us to, to seek you, to chase you? We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.